yeah, don't be afraid. Um, I think I was terrified that no one would ever want to see this project happen. I was like, I was like, there is no one who is going to support 30 people being photographed for an LGBTQ cause. Like, and uh, believe it or not, like I'm in, I'm in the Southern US, like Asheville's rare <laughs> and Asheville's like a little, a little mountain escape in the South, but um for the most part, I would say the LGBTQ community down here has a hard time in the South. It's the only thing that holds you back is yourself, really. You, I think people get too wrapped up in their heads and think that, and think that, okay, this is a great idea, but I'll never get anyone to support me. That's not true. The right people will support you if they have an investment in it and if, it, if it's a cause that they can kind of get behind. Be, be clear and be very precise with what you're trying to accomplish and and always always give as much detail as you possibly can. I think that's really important. I think it's really important to have a purpose. Like I knew for me that this project wasn't gonna be over until I could show it in a gallery space, until I could make people see it. Like social media was not gonna be enough. Like I needed more than that. So I wanted a gallery space and I want it and I want a book. That's what I'm that's what I'm I'm aiming for. Like I I want this to be published. I want multiple people to see it. I want it to have an impact on people's lives. I think one of the things that I run into with photographers on a regular basis is like they have these great ideas but they have no idea what they want from it. And I think knowing what you want from it is a big portion of it. Like where do you want it to go? Where do you see it going? What's the end game? One of our favorite parts about being an outsourcing solution is seeing the personal projects our clients get up to. So on this episode of the Image Salon podcast, we have Lauren Merrill. Lauren is an editorial and commercial photographer who started the Strength and Pride Project, a social impact photo series combating the stigmas surrounding the LGBTQ2 community and celebrating each individual in their authenticity. In this conversation, Lauren opens up back about what drove her to create Strength and Pride, how to find like-minded collaborators, the importance of creating safe spaces, and the impact Lauren is hoping to have through her project. And that's also kind of like when I saw the media brief and was starting to get into... um, I guess what's behind it and what's driving you to do it. It's like, I think to me, that's really exciting because it feels like it's such a personal project for you. And it's, and it's really digging into some areas that I think other people might shy away from. So maybe that's a good place to start this interview. Um, What's kind of like the motivation or the initial inspiration for you to start up Strength and Pride and turn it from an idea into a reality? Yeah, so realistically, in the beginning for me, it started off as a self-portrait. Um, I recently re-came out after being kind of pushed back into the closet um, for 12 years. And... Um, I wanted to kind of 
grieve and deal with my personal issues um, that revolve around um, being a queer person. And I thought, okay, well, here's the, you know, here's something that I need to do for myself. And then I was scrolling through TikTok as so many people do and ran into, you know, TikTok knew I was gay way before I did for sure. But um, I ran into a video um, that was created by a um, young content creator and Katie's very outspoken on issues and um, I follow her and have followed her since before I saw that video, but it blew my mind right away. Um, it was basically in a young girl that was hearing all of these, all of these words and sayings and things coming from, um, you know, different people in the outside world, whether that is friends, family members, churchgoers, politicians, whatever. And, um, things, you know, just gay slurs, you know, things that are anti, uh, you know, anti-gay and homophobic. And um, you see her kind of going through this process of writing all these words on her face that have been said to her. And then she comes out of it and is all of a sudden this like proud person. I was like, oh my God, that's so inspiring. Like, what can I do with that? That idea is so brilliant. So, um, I basically took the concept to that idea and I made it more, more individual, um, more based on the individual and then um, kind of built on it. So it became a photographic series that I wanted to do with me and a couple of other um, queer community members here in Asheville. And then I started talking to my friend Tiffany and she was like, why are we not doing this with like a lot of people? And I'm like, well, I guess we could do 30. We could do one for every day of June. And then it just became this huge project. Um, but that's kind of how my brain works. I just kind of, I, I see one thing and then it just explodes to something else. So, um, we basically took that concept and we turned it into a two-part series. So the beginning of the project is a portrait about a person's personal either coming out experience or experience being queer. Because sometimes people don't have a bad experience coming out and that's mm -hmm. good. That's not a bad thing. Um, and then the second part of the project is them just owning and authentically being themselves. Just like whoever they want to be seen seen by like how do you want to be seen by the world is what I say to them like what 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 do you want people to look at you and see and and that's we celebrate them in that part and that's that's the inspiring part to see someone kind of completely break down and, and get into their feelings and then kind of all of a sudden just become this person who feels fully accepted and valid and seen so mm. But my personal reason for um, wanting to wanting to start with this self-portrait altogether has a lot to do with my coming out story um, and a lot to do with um, kind of some of the experiences that I went through as a teenager 
trying to come out to my parents, um, being in a long-term relationship with a woman and then um, losing that person to cancer and running back into the closet as fast as I could. <laughs> That's kind of what happened. So, but I'm happy to answer any questions that you have <laughs> i have a lot <laughs> no and that's uh it's just it's just a a really yeah it's just a beautiful concept and i was really excited when you initially um reached out to the image salon and we were and i started to dig into it but so you've recently started like so you've shot all the all 30 people. All, yeah. all the people now. Yeah. So we we have a beautiful, diverse range, which makes me yeah. so incredibly happy. We have everything, every spectrum of LGBTQ um, and, and age ranges all the way from 18 to, I think, our oldest members, in Mercedes, which is amazing mm -hmm. to me. Um, and she was one of the most inspiring people I've met on this project. She went through the women's movement and the LGBTQ movement. She was an activist and her story blows my mind. Yeah. So. And, and like about that, cause like I find when you're taking portraits and like really connecting with people and cause it's like, it is a really kind of like intimate. Very. Bond I think sometimes when you're a photographer taking portraits like did any of those experiences of shooting um, those 30 people like have a larger impact on you than you were expecting or oh so in such a huge way so I think a lot of people don't realize like the way that I'm doing these portraits is very different than what than what a normal portrait photographer does like normally if you go into the studio you might get your hair and makeup done and then you sit in front of a photographer and they kind of talk you through things that's really not what I'm doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we are coming up with creative designs for each and every person based off their personal stories. They, they fill out a questionnaire in the beginning. And then um, I come up with an idea for them. And then when they first arrive, we sit down and we talk about their initial first idea. And then before we even start shooting or getting into creating that concept, we're sitting down for anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on the person and what they need. And we're doing uh, what I call an interview, but is more mm -hmm. like a very, um, it's a very personal conversation about their story. I mean, in their life and their coming out and um, any, any discrimination that they've faced, any acceptance that they've gotten, any non-acceptance that they've gotten, um, and they just, they pour their hearts out. And it's, it's the thing that, the thing about the project that drives me, I think, because um, they're so raw and so real and so um, open and honest. And, you know, the thing that I think I heard in my studio the most was, I feel so valid. I feel so seen. I feel like somebody's actually listening to me for once. And that like, that like gave me everything in the world. Like in my heart, I was like, okay, I don't know how I'm ever going to go back to being a normal photographer ever again. After this. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to do this for the rest of my life. But, um, 
those were the, and those stories, I mean, really kind of their ability to be honest and leave it all on the table and just give it all really opened me up and made me more raw and me more honest. I was, I was definitely leaving some parts of my story out because they're painful and traumatic and hard to deal with. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that by them, by them being so honest and so open, I was able to kind of do that for myself towards the end too. Yeah. Like it's, and it's also like, this is kind of my favorite aspect of, I guess, creative uh, partnerships or collaborations Um, is like, cause you have that initial idea and then you start presenting it to people and start working with people. Then often what happens is like, it becomes bigger and forces you to go like deeper into it. Um, and hearing that that's been like your experience with it is just incredible. But I do want to touch on something because I like a lot of people like have projects they want to pursue and like often like, especially with like something like this, it takes a lot of um, people to co- contribute to it. And I'm just wondering about how did you okay. find the right people to contribute and like what makes a good contributor? So um, do you mean in terms of participants or sponsors? Which way? Uh, I guess more like sponsors, like when you're like looking for somebody to do hair and makeup and like looking to partner with, um, like a gallery to like showcase the work and a printer yeah, in so, this case. <laughs> yeah, printing is next. Oh God. Um, yeah, eighty-one images later, they're gonna be full. <laughs> but um, so, I think for me, it started very much as I have a team at my studio who I who I do a lot of projects with. Um, one is a, um, bridal dress designer. She also does fashion design and styling. Um, another person is a florist and another person is hair and makeup. So we're kind of this collective, um, to begin with. And I sat them all down. I was just like, this is something I want to (laughs) do. And I don't, you don't have to participate in it. You don't have to be a part of it if you don't want to, but I would love, love it if you all would. And um, I've got to give it up to them. They are the most supportive team I can possibly have. Like, I'm so incredibly grateful for each and every single one of them. Um, my stylist gave, I, I can hundreds of hours to um, getting fashion and different garments and accessories and things like that and being on set with me and helping me design every set and every person. I mean, like I probably over my life forever. Um, and my hair and makeup artist, um, she she helped um, and pitched in as my beauty director and helped me get hair and makeup people. And my florist was helping me um, create this floral wall that we're working on and helping with set design. Hmm. So just having that core group of people initially was so helpful for me. Um, I also have a social media coordinator that I work for as a photographer sometimes. And I went to her and I was like, I need help. <laughs> like I need someone to film this stuff and produce this stuff. And, and can you help me with this? Cause I mean, I, I shouldn't call her a social media coordinator. She's basically like, um, 
I would say a PR company is, is how I would put her, but, um, she was like, sure, this is great. Let's do it. So I had a core group of people in the beginning that were very supportive of the project and could contribute. And then I started talking to local friends before I started. Um, I wanted to make sure that it was something that I could actually produce, that I had the support staff that I needed before I went to sponsors. So um, I, I reeled in um, my friend Tiffany from Brushes and Braids. She's a member of the community here, um, is actually in one of the portraits. And um, she was like, yeah, she was like, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. Hair and makeup, done. Um, and uh, same thing with one of my makeup artists, um, Tia from Brushfire Artistry. She is also in one of the most powerful portraits of the project. And literally I was bawling taking this photo, like just tears, but um, she she is one of the most phenomenal makeup artists I've ever known and um, was all in from the beginning. So once I had kind of this core group of people, we started pulling other hair and makeup artists. And once we realized that we could fill it and that we could actually make these three weekends happen, I started, my first reach out was Blue Ridge Pride. Um, they're our local pride organization here in Western North Carolina. And their director, Tina White, was immediately supportive. Um, her and um, Nancy, who is the entertainment director for Blue Ridge Pride, came into my studio. We sat down and we talked about the project and I explained to them why I wanted to do it. Um, you know, Tina, <laughs> Tina has been fantastic at challenging me with new things throughout this entire thing, which has been, I mean, she's been phenomenal. Um, and just having their support has meant a lot. And once we figured out what we wanted to kind of do with it and where we wanted it to go, um, I started reaching out to other sponsors and we did, we got um, a local um, wine bar here, Bottle Riot, who ended up supporting us as well. And then of course we have you guys. So, and I, I yeah. came to you guys because um, I use you guys for my images on a regular basis, especially when I'm doing um, more editorial work. And I, and I'm like way too overwhelmed on a regular basis <laughs> try to, to try to do anything else. Um, so um, I knew that I could rely on you guys to kind of come up with the work that I needed to have to be seen and have done and um, now we're we're still looking for sponsors in terms of printing and things like that because that's where we're at now we have 81 images to print and gallery size images are insane <laughs> yeah 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 it's no yeah. No small <laughs> no for 81 it's images no yeah no. <laughs> it's a very big uh, show yeah um but like hmm because I know that like a lot of photographers or like artists can kind of struggle with this and you kind of touched on it about like reaching out or asking for help so do you have any like advice or inside or like encouragement of course for people on that yeah don't be afraid um i think i was terrified that no one would ever want to see this project happen i was like i was like there is no one who is going to support 30 people being photographed 
for an LGBTQ cause. Like, and uh, believe it or not, like I'm in, I'm in the Southern US, like Asheville's rare. <laughs> and Asheville's like a little, a little mountain escape in the South. But um, for the most part, I would say the LGBTQ community down here has a hard time in the South. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, the only thing that holds you back is yourself, really. You, mm. I think people get too wrapped up in their heads and think that, and think that, okay, this is a great idea, but I'll never get anyone to support me. That's not true. The right people will support you if they have an investment in it. And if it, if it's a cause that they can kind of get behind. Um, I think that um, be, be clear and be very precise with what you're trying to accomplish and and always always give as much detail as you possibly can. I think that's really important. I think it's really important to have a purpose. Like I knew for me that this project wasn't gonna be over until I could show it in a gallery space, until I could make people see it. Like social media was not gonna be enough. Like I needed more than that. So I wanted a gallery space and I want it and I want a book. That's what I'm that's what I'm I'm aiming for. Like I I want this to be published. I want multiple people to see it. I want it to have an impact on people's lives. I think one of the things that I run into with photographers on a regular basis is like they have these great ideas, but they have no idea what they want from it. And I think mm. knowing what you want from it is a big portion of it. Like where do you want it to go? Where do you see it going? What's the end game? I think having a well thought out um, and almost looking at your project, like either a thesis, I think can be helpful or a business plan because you have, when you're talking to people about committing and investing their time and their money and their effort, you have to be able to provide them with some sort of information on where you're going. And I think that's important. Yeah. No, I really like, how you express that as a, a thesis and yeah. <laughs> like almost like I have this idea and I'm hoping to achieve this. And, and that's also what I really appreciated about how you um, like craft, I guess, crafted your email. And then when it was forwarded to me and like having that like in-depth uh, media kit is, is just like, cause you were so intentional about this is what I'm aiming to achieve and, you know the the direction behind it and then like i think right from like the get as like a contributor or a sponsor or whatever you're able to get behind that because you're just like yeah like that's something i want to support and they're aiming to get here and i think we have the resources that could like that can help, help with it with that a little bit yeah, yeah. and i think and especially I think, if it's shared mission i think reaching out to people that you i think for me i reached out to people that i felt like were in line with the message that i was trying to get across yeah that's um, important too you know like really targeting people to collaborate with you that are that are going to be supportive of what you're doing um that maybe have done something similar in the past is, is always kind of a good source of research. Um, for me, this being an LGBTQ issue, like I wanted to reach out to people that were gonna be supportive of that community because these people are being so raw and so real. Like I wanna make sure mm-hmm. that everyone involved in this. And I was very picky when it came to hair and makeup artists, when it came to anybody who was in the studio with me, all of it, like 
uh, I mean, I was educating people on pronouns and educating people on not talking, not touching people without permission and consent, like different things that that you don't normally think of, but in this particular situation was so incredibly important. Um, and I think aligning yourself with people that have a passion for what you're doing, um, have some sort of in like personal investment, I think is also important. And um, a company, you know, a company or organization that can get behind you is gonna be someone who supports what, what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And because you were, I guess, kind of asking um, the, the subject to go like very deep and very raw and you kind of touched on it, like what were you doing to ensure that you were creating a safe space within the studio to be able to like access like that type of emotion. Yeah, so we um, we created two separate spaces within our space. We have a very long space. Um, and I basically shut down the area that we were doing interviews. And um, the only person that would be in the room would be either me and possibly sometimes a um, someone to help with filming. So um, we were very careful about people not going in and out. Um, we were making sure that everyone was quiet so that there was no distractions. Like we would silence everyone in the studio during every interview just to make sure that the person can really be in their own space and mm -hmm. not feel like there were all of these outside things that were taking away from their attention. And I think it's very important that you just with such a touchy subject and so much vulnerability, like I just sat down with each and every person at the beginning and I just said, listen, we're going to do this and whatever comes out is what comes out. And if you cry, it's okay. I'm probably going to be crying too. And 90% of the time I was. Um, and if you need to stop, that's okay. Like, well, let me know. Like if you, if it's getting to be too much or too overwhelming, um, we would, encourage them to seek out perfect because I'm not a professional counselor. Um, I don't have any kind of license to be a mental health therapist. Um, and I was very clear about that with each and every one of them. This is a conversation between friends, but I do encourage you that if you're feeling sad or vulnerable or upset after the fact that you seek out kind of help with that. Um, and as this project grows, because I don't see it ending anytime soon, I mean, 30 is the beginning, I feel like, for this. But yeah. hopefully we'll have more support in that area at some point. But um, I just wanted them to know that they, that this was up to them. This isn't me pushing them. And with these interviews, I literally asked you questions. I asked, what is your name? And when did you realize that things were a little bit different for you? So when I say interview, it really is more like a conversation. I'm yeah. not digging in. I'm not pushing them. I'm not doing any of that. I'm letting them open up and tell their stories the way that they want to be told. Um, and I actually, um, for the book piece, 
I originally had planned on hiring a writer to come in and write these stories um, for everyone. Mm. I ended up canning that idea. So we're going to transcribe them and they're going to go into the book exactly how they were said. And we're going to keep it really raw and really authentic and really just, you know, personal to each person. I really think that's the right way to go about it. And I, I think often with, with these type of initiatives, like people can come in and kind of like fumble it or, or they, they, they kind of already have like a pre-established notion of like what that story yeah. is. And then they start telling people's stories in, instead of like allowing those voices to be heard yeah that was something I I had an experience with a writer in the beginning who was like I want to do these intense interviews and hear my questions and hear all the things that I'm going to ask and I want to do this after you've had your initial conversation and this was somebody with a journalism background Mm. and I was like yeah I was like yep nope (laughs) we're not doing that so I was like, thank you very much for all of your support, but I think I'm going to do this my own way. So I have been incredibly protective of these people every step of the way from the beginning, because I know from a personal perspective, how hard it is for me to share my own story and how, I mean, how raw it is and how real it is. And, and you never know the power of social media and the power of the press and the power of all the things it could be a hundred people that see this. It could be millions. It really, mm-hmm. you don't know going into this. And I, and I tell everybody that ahead of time, like you have to really be prepared that this can be seen by a lot of people. And, um, and I think for me, because of that, and because of how raw and real these people were able to get with me, I've been like mama bearing all, everyone <laughs> like, <laughs> just without being able to help it. It's just, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, oh, there's a couple of things there that I want to talk about, but. Um, okay. Okay. So I think first one I want to touch on is, is with that example of that journalist, like when you were starting the project, did you, um, how do I put this? Like, did you like sit down and like lay out an intention? Cause like I've seen this thing happen with like projects where somebody gets an initial idea and I've also had pro- this happen to projects and then like opportunities like that come up where someone's like, Oh, I like, I can contribute this thing and da, 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 da. And then it, and then it kind of takes the project away from where you wanted it to go and so opportunities have come up like that um so the director of blue ridge pride used to be a board member for the human rights organization Mm -hmm. and they are huge um and could potentially help the project in huge ways but they also um something that we we discussed very deeply is that they also kind of come in and and start almost dictating direction sometimes on the way that mm-hmm. things are going to happen. Um, so we can that idea right away, yeah. even though, you know, it could have brought more exposure to the project, more, maybe more support, more sponsors, more things like that. 
we didn't we didn't want to lose lose the concept behind it and and that's been something i've been very protective of since the beginning mm-hmm. and blue ridge pride has actually been very good about being we are supporting this but this is not ours and they have been mm-hmm. very good about saying that to anyone that's been involved along the way like we support you but this is not our project we don't want to make it our project we think it's perfect and beautiful the way that it is so we're going to let this happen we want to support our local artists we don't want to take it over so i think um i think there have been opportunities in that direction um also you know with journalism and pr where they've been like oh we can spread it out here or here or here but i think maybe post-process sure do all that that's fine mm-hmm. but i didn't want anybody involved in the actual mixing of when the when the project was actually being filmed and photographed i didn't want that yeah. i wanted that maintain its authenticity as much as possible yeah and like I think that's a really good point that you're touching on is because like with projects and especially like creative projects when they're new and they're like forming they're these kind of like fragile insecure blanky baby giraffes (laughs) or something and and they do and they do need to be protected and nurtured and I think if you allow too many too much outside influence to come in it can like really distort what you're trying to achieve but like once the project is kind of completed or it's found its legs or it's mature then it's easier to have people come in and support it and like yeah. yeah Yeah, I wanted to make sure that it stayed authentically what it was so that people could see the message and really feel what we were trying to get across. But people want to come in after and like throw it out to all those PR places and all the other stuff, that's fine. But I just yeah. don't want I just don't want the project itself being distorted from what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think it it's what makes it different right because people are being so honest and raw and real and we're touching on huge issues that I fully expect to have picketers in front of my in front of my studio at some point like big issues issues with domestic violence and sexual violence and um religion is a huge factor in a lot of in a lot of these projects and I fully expect to to get some backlash and I just don't care <laughs> and I, but I wanted people to be real and I didn't want it to be muted and I and I yeah. think that was what I accomplished well and like and like that's the kind of the power of art like you I think with projects like this like you're um like whatever like you're gonna ruffle flat feathers and I think that's a part of it but I think what's really powerful about art and projects like this is you're you're able to create safe spaces for really important discussions to start taking place and 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 you're doing that and like that's incredible right like you're giving an outlet for um the people who have sat down for these portraits to really be seen but then also there's going to be like this additional benefit of when the audience starts to interact with art and like that's 
just incredible and like how things ripple out. There's not I, a question there. That's just this really yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've said since the very beginning, if I can change one mind or, or make someone question the way that they've treated someone or open somebody's heart one person, then this entire project has been so worth it. Like, mm -hmm. I think, I think the thing with impact projects and the thing with like social change projects is that you're trying to make a difference. Even if it's, even if it's just a difference in one person, that ripple effect alone has so much impact. Um, that's really been the most important piece for me coming out of this is keeping these stories as authentic as, as possible, telling them the way that they need to be told so that people will possibly open their eyes just a little bit and listen, you know? Mm -hmm. No, and yeah, and you're touching on something there because I think, I think sometimes photographers or creatives uh, can get caught in this idea of like, oh, I want to start this project, but I'm scared that it's not going to reach a big enough audience. And, and I think sometimes we get too caught up in the metrics of social media and like, yeah, like we lose sight on that. Like the, like even what you've already expressed, like the project isn't even completed, but like having um, individuals express to you that like they feel validated and seen, like that's incredibly powerful. That was worth it for me, just knowing that I could provide that space for them. You know, I've had so many people say, I've never told this story before. I've never talked about this. I, I couldn't bring myself to talk about it, but you gave me this space that I felt like I was okay to do that. Like that for me will change my life forever. And the way that I look at people and the way that I hear people and listen to people and, and validate people in different ways. Um, but I mean, if it, it, beyond that, scale isn't as important as you think. I think, I think photographers get caught up very much in like the whole social media run of how many likes did I get on this picture? How many times did somebody share this? You know, how many views did I get on this video? What's, you know, what, what is, what's going on with this? I mean, you can do everything you possibly can to market something as much as you can, but it, who cares about the marketing if it doesn't affect anyone really yeah. at the end of the day, if it's not actually having an impact or not creating the change that you were looking for, then it's not doing what the purpose was to begin with. So for me, I, I've said since the beginning, like I have no expectations. Like I, I want this to be seen by everyone because I want it to have a big impact, but I am you know, I am good if it changes the heart of one person, if it opens eyes for someone, if it makes a difference in someone's life, if it brings, if one of these people's parents listen to the story and see their portrait and, and just like realize what their child has been through, that is enough for me. Making that influence or that impact in somebody's life is plenty for me at the end of it. Well, and that's, and that's huge. Yeah.
Yeah. Sorry, I got a little emotional there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> no, because it, it, it's 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 true, and I think I think sometimes yeah, like we we I think as artists we can forget about the power and like the amount of impact that we can have by using our art form, and I I, I think a part of that is because we do get that pressure of social media and like we do can fall into the trap of allowing that to dictate our self-worth as an artist or as a creative but like to be able to create a piece of art that's going to connect with like one person or be able to have like such a drastic shift like that like that really does ripple out um so I guess it question I have is like through this experience so far has there been any I guess like major um lessons or like key takeaways so far so many lessons I'm not sure if I'm ready to answer that one yet um that's okay because we're going to do a part two after yeah. the show <laughs> maybe you can list them out yeah um I mean I think this project has personally taught me to be a better listener and mm-hmm. to validate people in the way that they that they need to be validated. They need to be seen and heard and, and understood and and have their story respected. Um, and I think it's taught me a lot about living more openly and authentically without being afraid to be that way. Um, I I definitely held back a lot of, like I said before, a lot of my personal story. Um, And each and every one of those people made it so much easier for me to be, for me to be open and honest. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I hope it has that same ripple effect on other people. I hope that when they see this and they see the raw and how open and honest people have been and how unafraid, well, some of them are afraid, but how unafraid um, and unapologetically they are themselves that it'll inspire others to do the same. Okay, my last question for now, because we're getting sure. close to that <laughs> time frame. No problem. Um, what's, what's the impact you're hoping that this project's gonna have? Oh my God, I can't even like quantify it. I'm really, like I said, one heart, one mind. If if that, I would love to see it become something bigger that that really helps inspire people in a much more national, international way, because I do think it's a conversation that we need to have right now. We really do. Um, need to be having this conversation right now there are there wasn't a space for it 12 years ago when I was hiding in the closet um, or running back into the closet Um, there is a space for it now and I think that the more we talk about it now and the more open and understanding and honest we are with each other now about it the more we're the world is is becoming a place that has a little it's it's not everywhere but a little bit more open 
the heart is opening just a little bit. And this is the time when we can actually make a change to the way people are treated, whether that has anything to do with gender identification or sexuality or whatever it is. This is the time that this conversation needs to happen. So I'm hoping for, not for myself, but for everyone else, um, because the honest, the honest answer to this is I could care less if I ever make a dime from this project. I will donate like everything <laughs> to make it happen. But um, I just really want people to hear it and see it and start talking, start having conversations. Um, and if that can happen, then, then I'm, I'm happy and satisfied. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Lauren, we really appreciate the work you're doing through Strength and Pride, and all of the Image Salon team is glad we're able to lend some support through editing. The Image Salon is assembled in Montreal, Quebec, hosted by Bryce, with sound, mixing, and music by me, Phil Creamer.